Welcome and thank you for joining us. My name is Richard Anderson and your host. This is the Journey Small Business Success Story podcast. Uh, you can find us on multiple social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. The links are all listed below. Be sure to hit the subscribe button and give us a thumbs up if you like the podcast. Today, we're with Scott Carter. He is um, an entrepreneur, apparel king, uh, national company. Scott's got an interesting story. Um, I think once you hear his story and he takes you through his journey, um, you'll find that even though you think being an entrepreneur um, can be a daunting task, you can even start where he did go through the journey that he had and start all over again. I think this is maybe a story of redemption. Um, give you a little background. I've known Scott for, what would you say, six, seven years? Yeah, eight years. At least, yeah. Um, and I know his family. So tell me a little bit about um, kind of your growing up, um, where you grew up, family, how you got, how you met Michelle, kids, that sort of thing. You don't have to be yeah. specific, but. No, it's okay. It's good. I grew up in Bensonville, Illinois. Um, grew up there. Played sports as a young kid. Um, my father and I and our family moved to uh, Algonquin um, in 1979. And that's where we kind of started over really the basic principles of my whole life started there because I was 11 when we moved. Um, found a great group of friends that we uh, uh, stayed together. We still stay together now. Um, uh, Michelle was kind of funny. Um, I knew Michelle because she was friends with my sister, and uh, she's four years younger than me. So yeah, when you're a senior in high school, you know, eighth graders kind of doesn't work out at that time. But but you know, I've we've always had a kind of a thing for each other, and that kind of worked out later on when uh, um, we got older. And I was married, uh, got divorced right when she was engaged, and broke up her engagement. And it was just fate happened and we just hit it off at the same exact time and uh we've been together since so growing up you thought michelle probably was somebody you'd want to be oh i knew that term yeah it was just kind of i mean i've known her as long as i've known actually i've known her longer than i've known you and she's there's probably not you know five other people on the planet that are nicer than her right yeah she's a great woman i can tell you what she's the backbone to everything that I have. So without her, I got nothing. And so if people say, oh, you know, you're a great guy, uh, great guys are only made by great women. It's an interesting point. They do say that a lot, right? They say behind every good entrepreneur, behind every good man is a good woman. Yeah. It's true in almost every case that if I know. If you don't have that, then you really don't have anything. Cause I mean, you know my wife. Yeah. You know, she's probably one of the most mild-mannered people that you've ever <laughs> met until she's not, right? And so um, she's pretty fierce when it comes to defending her, her family and, and her husband. Um, how many times has Michelle defended you even though you were doing something stupid? I can't even imagine the stupidity stuff that I've done, you know. So, um, but that's part of growing up. Yeah. You know, I mean. So, we, you, so we, you met her early on, mm-hmm. eighth grade, roughly. Mm-hmm. And then you were married, got divorced. She was going to get married, mm-hmm. broke up. Take it from there. What happened? It's great. I uh, The day that uh, I got divorced, she broke off her engagement, and I was at home, and my mom called me, and she said, uh, <clears throat> got a package at, uh, at the house. you got to come pick up. I'm like, okay. So I went over to the house, and it was actually a 
dozen roses from Michelle, and she said, if you ever need anything, let me know. And oh, yeah, hell yeah. I was like, definitely. I'm like, <laughs> right away I call him like, uh, what are you doing? You know, I mean, this was just a long time. It just, there's, there's moments in life that define people. Um, we weren't defined early. It just wasn't the right time, but it was definitely defined at a later date, which that's why we're still together. You've got three kids. Four. Four kids. Four kids. I don't want to leave one out. So you've got four kids. Mm-hmm. Um, ages? Uh, my oldest son lives in California. He's 30. Uh, my second oldest is my son. He lives in California as well. Uh, he's 28. Our daughter is 23. She lives in Chicago. And our other daughter is 20 and lives in uh, St. Pete. Actually, Treasure Island. She goes to school at the University of South Florida in St. Pete. So you were on one path. Michelle was on another. Those paths didn't work out. Mm -hmm. Now you're together. Yeah. Probably similar in your business, right? Oh, yeah. So what did you start out doing? When I started first, I was 14 years old throwing newspapers because I knew that, like, no one was ever going to give me anything. My dad was in construction, just couldn't afford to send us to college. I wasn't a big college person anyway, so um, I knew if I was going to get anything, I'd kept to get it on my own. So I started throwing newspapers and my bicycle when I was 14, picked up a job at Kinney's Shoes in Spring Hill Mall. So before you go on any further, for those who are probably under the age of 30, <laughs> right. Don't have a concept of what it is to throw a newspaper out a front door. Oh, yeah. Because newspapers just about don't exist anymore. Oh, they drop them off at my front door. I'd roll them, rubber but band the them. the hardest part of that wasn't getting up in the morning and rolling newspapers and delivering them. It was, what, collecting the money, right? You had your punch card on a ring. Yeah. And you had to go around. Yep. And you had to get the money. Yep. You knock on the door. Hey, I'm here to collect for, for us, it was the local Daily Herald. Uh, we'd throw or the Northwestern Herald or mm-hmm. whatever it was. We'd go to collect the money. Oh, I don't have it today. Okay, flip to the next ring, go to the next house. But you were responsible to the newspaper company for all that money. Mm-hmm. So you ha- it was your, an incentive for you to go collect it. And then you kept a portion of it, right? Mm-hmm. And you gave them a portion of it. That's correct, yeah. So small entrepreneurship at that point. It was great because it tested out how who you could be. Um, obviously, the better you did, the more reward you got. So... Um, that's one of the keys to my success that we may get at later, but I'm going to bring it up right now is um, if anybody asked what I had to ever do, um, I would always bet on myself. Uh, there's no other person that I would bet on besides obviously my wife and my family. But I mean, when it comes down to business, always bet on yourself because you're the only one that's going to do what you're going to do, know what you're going to do, know what needs to be done and have to drive to get it completed. Um, and everything else is just small talk. And you've, so, from what our conversations have been, and, and I know about you, you've passed that down to your kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My son is funny. My son um, has job opportunities, and he said the same thing. He had an opportunity, and one of his things was, you know, a percentage of his uh, compensation. income. Compensation, yeah. He's in sales. So they said, you know, we'll give you a signing bonus or we'll give you less of a bonus and a little bit more of uh, like, uh, what do they call that? Um, less salary, more compensation uh, or more, more back-end commission. Yeah, commission. Yeah, so they, so he's getting the commission. And he said, I'll take the commission. And the guy said, well, that was a quick reply. Why do you 
what was with the commission response? He's like, because I always bet on myself. He goes, I know what I'm going to do. Yeah, so, so he's got the same mindset. Yeah. And you, you you, in its upbringing, you know, the kids knew that when we had, you know, what we had and they're going to get what they're going to get. And it was pretty much nothing. And they knew they needed to take care of themselves. And that's why all four of our kids are successful. So if I were to pass today, I know that one thing good for me is I, they're all in a good direction. And if I ever got one thing good in life, it's uh, I did my kids a good favor and I, I, I got four good kids. So growing up, what were the jobs that you had while they were growing up? So you got married had kids, what do your kids know other than what you're in now? What, what did you do grow, with them growing up? What do they know I Scott spent as? my entire life in construction. Um, after the whole throwing newspapers and working at Burger King and all the stuff that all everybody else does, uh, graduated high school. My father started a construction company, so he needed a right-hand guy. Uh, felt like I needed to support my father, and I went to work for my dad. Um, worked, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you're working for your dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Bullshit. Right. You know, that's not always how it is. It's always worse because you're the son. Um, but, uh, I worked my way up. I worked my way up until I was a superintendent of the company. Unfortunately, my dad's business kind of struck hard times. He, uh, folded up. I got a job immediately with another company and I was there for a long time. Um, did real well. Um, my dad started up a second company, asked me to join him, kind of going against my better judgment, but still being my father. I went to work for him again. Um, Did you find that it was out of loyalty, duty? Maybe you owed him? Kind of, a, kind, of, kind of a loyalty thing. I mean, no matter what, it's my father. Um, and when your dad needs you, you need you. You know, I mean, it's just like one of those things. And it was kind of a good thing I was there for him because he had a heart attack back when he was... Uh, 60 years old, right when he turned 60, he had a heart attack, had no one to run his business. So I took over his company for him until he was able to get back on his feet. Otherwise, he'd have lost it. Um, and then uh, as my dad grew older, his company got bought out by another company. Um, and he just kind of got sick of working for somebody else. And he decided to start another third business on his own. And I was like, Dad, uh, maybe time to retire and throw up the gloves. And against my better judgment again, <laughs> went to work for my dad. And that's when 07 hit. 07, 08. The real bad. Um, Construction, construction, housing market, everything everything, everything just went down. Yeah. The, whole, the whole housing market went down. And... About everybody I know that was in the construction business lost their jobs, including me and my wife, which was weird because my wife and I were both working for the same company. Um, and as a partner, I signed a $575,000 loan. Um, did not know that that was going to come back to me later, but when the company that my dad had filed BK, the bank came after me for five seventy five and. I didn't have that kind of money. I was just a partner, you know, working, trying to grow my dad's business. And uh, so my wife and I went from making just over 150000 a year to zero. Wow. In one day. I can't even imagine that. Four kids. Yep. Two incomes. Same company. Wake up the next day, you've got nothing. Absolutely nothing. So one of the questions that we ask here, uh, is 
what was the turning point in your in your journey? Um, what was the moment you decided that you needed to make choices that would set you on the path that you're on now, but you didn't know it at the time? Yeah, you never know what you're going to be up against. But the thing about it was, is you always got to kind of hang your head up. So we were motivated. I got a job as a bartender. Um, thank God I knew some people. So I was bartending. Um, my wife was still in at the time looking for a job, but because we had bills and no income, collecting unemployment. Uh, yeah, the dealership decided to send a flatbed to our house and take both of our cars out of our garage. Um, I had to pull all of our kids out of all sports, every activity that they were in cheerleading dance, that all went away. And, uh, basically went from everything to nothing. I mean, we started getting food out of the food pantry. Thank God for the church. Light of Christ church helped us out a lot. Um, food pantry that helped us out. I was a little bit disappointed in the state because, we went to the state for help for food lunches and uh, to try to get on a food program for our kids. And we made too much money um, on unemployment to qualify for state aid. What did your kids think during that whole time that you were going through this? Obviously, you're going through it. Michelle's going through it. What did your kids think? They they were uh, confused. Obviously, they How were confused. How old were they at the time? Well, you're talking... Uh, 2010 so 10 years ago so our 23 is 13 13 and 15 okay they're old enough to know so high school age yeah they're, they're old enough Where to know what's going on them to a yeah sure absolutely they knew what was going on um that's our two younger daughters our two older sons were impacted on it at the point where you know obviously they were in in, in, in the upper part of high school and in the college and stuff um uh biggest part of the whole thing was one of the defining moments, driving home from church with my daughter, and my daughter looked me in the eye and she said, are we going to lose the house? And I said, yeah, probably. Mm. Um, she was, what are we going to do? And I said, I don't know. I actually didn't have an answer. It's the one time in my life that I actually didn't have an answer for what my next move was. So um, being we had nothing, um, Kind of hard, kind of hard to go down when you're, when you're down. Right. Um, low point. Yeah, still not the lowest point. But getting there. But getting there. Um, we struggled. Kids understood. How did their um, friends react? Did their friends know? Did they keep it from them? Did you keep it from your friends? No, from I told family? all my friends. But it's amazing is is how many people that you know that are your friends. And then when you need help, how many friends you really have? You know, you that's know a mean? really interesting point. It's everybody's your friend when the when the times are good, right? Sure. When they can when you're get the guy paying the bill, you. when you're the guy right. getting, you, I mean, when you're when you're having a great time and everything, but when you can't do what they're doing or you can't be there what they do, or all of a sudden you need help. Yeah. You know, they say that so if, many backs if, if turn. You really find out about somebody when when they don't need anything from you anymore, right? Where do they go? Do they stay with you? Do they stick by your side? A handful, or are they gone? The, the handful of people that stayed with me are still my friends today. Interesting. The other thing is, 
it's it's funny because when you go through that and you actually open up to people, you'll find out how many other people are going through the same thing that you did or are, mm-hmm. right? And they're just too afraid. They're just too afraid to say it. I find that when I open myself up and I'm vulnerable, right? Then people tend to open up to me as well, and it's therapeutic to me anyway. I don't. I don't know yeah. how you feel about no, it, but part of I my can life. talk about it and and work through it, I often then don't feel so isolated, alone, right? Mm. You don't right. feel like you're going through it, and there's no one else in the world that could possibly be going through what you're, because you you know you're on an island, you don't know what everybody else is doing, so you just sit there and say, well, I'm going through this. I'm not going to share it with anybody because then everybody's going to know, right? Everybody's going to know right. what, what everybody's you're going know. through, and then you're exposed. When really most people want to help, your friends want to help you, right? And that's what you're saying. You find out really who your friends were, right? Versus yeah. who was you know. In today's age, I think we'd call it fake, mm-hmm. right? Who's fake and who's not? Right. And so you went through all that, yet you said that wasn't your lowest point. No. It got worse. Yeah. Um, so we're still struggling, trying to figure out what we're going to do. And it really didn't hit me until one day when my wife and my daughters were out I, I can't remember where they were, but I want to say they went to <coughs> um, Goodwill to try to get some clothes for the kids. And that was back when Goodwill's not what it is today. Oh, no. No, no, no. Goodwill there was, was like, a stigma was like, back yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. Like, Goodwill was like, you didn't go to Goodwill. Right. Like, not like today where you drop stuff off of Goodwill and they sell it and you go there shopping for, you know, Nike stuff people dropped off or whatever. Um, but it was just old-fashioned Goodwill. Um we never thought we'd ever go there. And and I'm not going to lie. I mean, when we had everything, you lived like you had everything. Mm-hmm. But when you don't, it's amazing how you could still survive and not have anything. Growing up, you know, the amount of times that I said myself, and I heard other people say, if I only had, right, if I only had more money. Like when I was making $25,000, I could only make forty. If I could only make forty-five, If I could only do, and then you get to that point, and you want more. Well, yeah, you're sure. Because you enough. live to your means. Right. You're supposed to live under your means, but mm-hmm. I would bet you that, and I don't have any facts to back this up, but I bet you a lot of people don't live up, you know, to their means. They probably live past their means. Most people probably do. Because they want to show everybody else what they have. Right. Instead of doing the hard work and saving and and doing the right thing and living below their means. Yeah, and you don't really realize that until... We've all done, the, I mean, we've all the, done it, right? The, I mean... Everybody still does it. It doesn't make a difference. It doesn't make anybody a better person or a worse person. It's just part of life. Everybody when you go through what you went through, you learn to appreciate yes. what you actually had, right? Right. I mean, I yep. can tell you from my experience, I mean, we're talking about yours, but I, I, I know just with, with, with what I went through, there's, there's something humbling about that experience that you, you never want to feel things that things that again. you never appreciated before. Correct. Right. The value of a dollar, the value of a friendship, mm-hmm. right? The value of a day. Yeah. Right? Yep. So oh, yeah. So you're you're driving home, talk to your daughter. She asks you, are you going to lose the house? You don't know. Right. And I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't know at that point. And then uh, a couple of days later, yeah, my wife and my kids are gone. And worst thing you could do is leave me alone. Don't leave me alone. Because when I, when I'm alone you're and you're, and you're, and you're already at rock bottom, your brain starts going through a lot of things and <clears throat> I 
thought at one point, and I know I'm going to get emotional. Um, yeah, but I really thought um, I was a You'd bad hit rock I, bottom. I, I was a bad father. Mm. Um, maybe a bad husband or, you know, um, just not a good parent to let this happen. I mean, who, who does this to their family? You know, I just, uh, so I stuck a 357 in my mouth and I thought about pulling the trigger. I really did. Um, that was the lowest part of my life. Um, I thought about it, realized that what had happened wasn't my fault. It was just society at the time. And, uh, that's when I decided that no matter what happens, I'm never going to be like that ever again. So with a little bit of, uh, hard work and determination with my family, we, uh, decided to start figuring out how we're going to better ourselves with nothing. And then I think God just blessed us one day. Um, my, uh, my wife had uh, a reunion, class reunion, ran into a friend, and my wife didn't even want to go to a reunion. One, we couldn't afford it. And then uh, the other part was she was embarrassed, you know, if anybody found out that what was going on. Um, but she went. A uh, friend of hers even offered to pay for her to go to the reunion after she told her what happened. Um, just... Fate is in so many different things that you can't even imagine the opportunities that come up unless you look for them. So my wife went to the reunion, and uh, a friend of hers owned a uniform shop. They started talking, and uh, she offered my wife a job, which was great. So now my wife had a job. So now, you know, obviously things are starting to pick up a little bit. I still have a job. I'm bartending. Um, but the lady who owned a uniform shop wasn't happy with the people that were doing her embroidery. And, uh, you know, the travel back and forth, trying to drop stuff off and pick up things. She wanted to have uh, a machine in her own shop to be able to do her own embroidery and have control of her business, which was a great idea but she didn't have anybody to run it. So my wife comes home one day. It's kind of funny. She, my wife comes home one day and says, hey, you want to start our own business? I'm like, how the hell are we going to do that? She goes, well, you know, here's a picture of this big machine that does embroidery, and, uh, the you know, my friend's going to help us. She's going to purchase the equipment. We're going to pay her back monthly. I'm already working there. You can set up shop in the back of her shop, and uh, instead of her going and traveling all over the place, What's better than getting your own stuff done in your own shop, right? I'm like, okay. So, I mean, I didn't blink an eye. So we got the machine. I started working. We opened our business up in 2010 and uh, started working in Crystal Lake uh, with the uniform company, and things were going very well. Uh, matter of fact, it started going pretty so well that I wanted more. So I went old school, started beating on doors, and cold calling and just old face to face, you know, meeting. And people. you're still in the shop with her. I'm still in the shop with her, but I'm out there because we have our own business. We're working for her and I'm trying to grow my business. 
and just through sheer determination and will, um, people saw me as who I really was, and they knew they weren't just buying a apparel from a business. They were buying me, and we grew our business to the point where we just couldn't fit in the back of her shop anymore. Um, so we mutually decided to move out and get into Huntley, where we're now. Um, but in a smaller spot, you know, we got where we could afford a small 1,000-square-foot unit. And we were there for probably three years to the point where we just, our name got out. People knew we did good work. People knew we had great turnaround time. And I was still beating on doors, trying to grow the business. And got to the point where it got so busy that we moved into the 3,000-square-foot unit we're at now. And uh, things are going well. Good. So, I mean, it's just it, it, you, you, when you're on the bottom and you got nothing, there's only one way to go. And you, you just got to be able to have the, the, the determination and, and sacrifice a few things to get some other things. And my wife and I sacrificed a lot of our time and effort to build our business. How much time were you away from the family then? Quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, and that was one of the things I regret was not being around my kids as much, but I think they understood where we're at at that point. Because you went from rock bottom. Now you've got an opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. So your journey went from almost marrying somebody else to... No, I was married. S- right, you right. were married. Was married. Um, she was almost married. She was almost else. married, yeah. Um, to you leaving that marriage, mm-hmm. her leaving that relationship, you getting back together, having four kids. You'd probably say that in the construction business, times were really good when they were good. Mm-hmm. And then it got really bad. And you went through, I, I can't even imagine the, the position you felt you were in. Um, and I know just as a father going through not something similar in, in how you reacted to it, but in that same similar position of feeling helpless, that you do feel like a failure. But failure is a, an opportunity to learn. So you learned, hey, I can do this. Then you provided for your family. The thing that sucks, I think, about starting to be successful or thinking you need to be successful, right? Because I think there's a difference between being successful and, and thinking you need to be successful is you feel like you're failing your family at a certain point when you're not around all the time. But you wouldn't have changed anything, would you? No. Knowing what you went through. And I think people sometimes are afraid to take that step into their own business, entrepreneurship, small business, because they feel like, well, I'm going to be letting my family down because I'm not going to be around all the time. There's got to be balance, right? Mm Work-life balance, they call it. So um, I would have to say, knowing you, for as long as I've known you, um, you're in your field. You're one of the most successful people that I know in that. And so you've gone from being rock bottom to a success story, a modern day success story in, in the, in the environment that we're in. It's not easy to start your own business, right? What do they say? Nine out of 10 businesses fail. Mm -hmm. So you're the, you're the 10%. And out of those, how many actually get to be very successful in their field? Um, I just know that you have customers 
all over the country that you ship things to. Um, and you've built it from sure will and determination. Um, so I've got some questions for you. Okay. All right. So I want to kind of get away from the heavy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that was emotional for you. I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. Um, I think people can understand uh, and relate to that story on some level. Um, maybe they've been there. Maybe they've been close. Um, but I, I do appreciate you sharing that. It took a lot of, took a lot, I'm sure, to share it. But uh, but I do appreciate it. Um, what do you think the most common reason is that small people, small businesses, and people who start uh, uh, an entrepreneurship fail, give up? Well, maybe they expect too much too early. And that's just speculation. I, I've never expected a lot. And maybe that's one reason why we've succeeded is, you know, you, you, you want, but what you want and what you get are two different things. I mean, you just can't wake up in the morning and roll out of bed and be like, okay, I'm going to have 100 people call me. You know, you have to get out there and you have to find those people and entice them to call you. You have to be better than everybody else. You know, you might not have to be the cheapest. You don't have to be the most expensive. You just have to be fair. And I think if you're fair at what you do and you're honest, people can't find that. You know, honesty and and, and good turnaround time and, and, and fair product and great workmanship. I mean, where do you get that? You know, I mean, and, and I think maybe people just think, maybe they think it's coming too easy. I don't know. Um, but I never thought anything would come to me easy after what I went through. So... It's just a little bit different on my end. Uh, but you have to fail to be better. I've, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that everything that I've done in my life, <clears throat> even with my new business, um, has been perfect. You know, I mean, I've learned from my mistakes. You know, so I went to school to learn how to do the embroidery, but even if you, you, know, you still have to try, and I think failing is good. Honestly, at some level, um, because it makes you a better person. We all have scars from what we went through, yeah. some more than others. You have different scars than I do. Somebody else who walks in the room might have different, but we learn from them. Mm-hmm. I like to wear them as kind of a badge of honor. Like, this happened to me, and yet this is what I accomplished even after I went through that. And you know, so many young kids today haven't, had the same experiences that that we've all gone through. I would say that it's not easier in today's society, but in some ways it is, right? Social media. It's easier to get your message out there. Back in the day, you couldn't do that. You know, you couldn't just have something in your hand that allowed you to connect with the entire world. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you started your business, you didn't you didn't have that. You didn't have the ability to market. You didn't have your the ability to um, reach thousands, millions, you know, potentially, but thousands of people with a, with a simple email and social media. And I think the youth of today thinks it's so easy because all I have to do is set up an Instagram account and a YouTube channel and I can just start my own business and be an influencer. I, you know, I'm sure if you ask every young kid these days, what do they want to be? They want to be an influencer. Well, what are you influencing? So you have to have experience and you know, call it what you will, call our generation what you will. We've got a lot of experience, and so I think that helps on some level um, in the in the planning and the and the business execution that we have because we've gone through the the crap of 
think about it. When you were when you were in high school, you had you didn't have the internet. You had to look something up in a book. Yeah, when you right. wanted to go call your friends, you knocked down. And the I don't door mean to go old school and, and, and right. lose all the people in the audience right. that were like, "Oh, those you know those old those old guys." But seriously, if you if you had to find something in a book versus just going online and finding it, it took determination. You had to stick to it, and 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 accomplish it. It wasn't as easy as just looking something up. I think that bodes well in business. You have to stick with it, and I think there's a lot of people that don't want to stick with it. They want it easy. They want the quick dollar they want the quick and easy plan and if you're going to stay in business it takes a lot of hard work um i always tell people that when i started my own business i never worked harder i never worked longer hours and i never had more stress in my life Mm -hmm. but the reward is so much better than working for somebody else yeah it's great you hear hear people oh you own business oh it must be nice yeah Getting up at three o'clock in the morning every day to go to work, try to get a ton of stuff done, you know, working 80, 100 hours a week. I mean, it's, and, and that's not a lie. I mean, when we get crunch time, I mean, there's, yeah, there, around the holidays, it's crazy. Oh, yeah. I mean, from October to December, it's like seven days a week, but you do it, you know, right. but then there's time off. I mean, there's, you, you, you risk and reward everything. And that's, that's the best part about your business is it's not that easy. It's only as easy as you make it. Yeah. You know, but people think it's real easy and, and, oh, you're a millionaire, blah, blah, blah. No, not a millionaire. I'm still making it just like everybody else. Um, But it is very satisfying knowing that I built this with my wife. And regardless of everything, every day I wake up, I'm very happy that we have what we have. What do you think prevents people from starting the business? Forget about why do they fail once they've started. What do you think is is maybe the number one or two reason that prevents people from starting their own business? Well, it could be capital. Um, not having enough capital to start. Um, but even if you get past that, um, maybe they're just not sure about themselves. Is it really what they want to do? And it's so hard for kids nowadays. It's like they expect... It's like society now expects people to graduate from high school and already know what yeah. they're going to do for the rest of their entire life. It's unfair, actually. And and it's and it's it doesn't work that way, mm-hmm. you know. So you don't have a chance to make up your mind. You're not even really sure where you're going, you know. And I think that might prevent a lot of people because they're not really sure what they want to do. And that's the flip side of today's generation, right? They might not be as experienced as as our generation, um, but they have everything coming at them a a, a thousand miles a minute, right? They're Mm -hmm. they're bombarded with opportunities. You see something, oh, I want to go do that. Oh, I want to go do that. Oh, I want to go do that. And they really don't know what they want because there's so many opportunities out there. I would say that not only capital, but lack of focus. They really just don't, they can't decide on one thing. Mm -hmm. So to those people, I would say, choose something, right? Nine times out of ten, businesses fail. First business my wife and I ever started doesn't exist. We tried it, didn't work. Tried something else. So, you know, it's like riding a bike. You got up. Imagine if you just rode it for the first time, fell off, never tried it again. Same thing. Start a business, oh, didn't work. Well, I'm not going to try it again. I think that's the hardest thing for people is just getting started. Mm-hmm. You can start a business with little as 
People start businesses out of their garage, their basements, wherever. I mean, you know, we've been in business for for several years. Um, We now have a corporate office, but we didn't have that to begin with. You didn't. You worked out of your house for a while. You know, we I worked out of my out of my house for years and a garage. But you got to have the willpower Mm -hmm. and 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 the desire. Um, What are some of the most what are some of the sacrifices that you had to make along the way in, in what you're doing now in, in this journey to get you where you are now? What are some of the sacrifices that you had to make? Uh, part of that probably would be putting in hours and not being there for my family as much as I wanted to. Um, but I knew one thing, if, if this company, when we started it ever got to the point where all I did was constantly work and never have a family then it's time to find something else or if i ever got to the point where i didn't want to get up in the morning and go to work and i lost my heart into it then it's time to move on to something else fortunately i haven't had that problem i've somehow even working as much as you do you still find that family work balance because that's for me that's why i go to work yeah right right. like i do it for my family i do it for my wife, for my daughter, for my parents, for for everyone connected. Because, first of all, I don't want to fail. I'm not afraid to fail. I just don't like it. Mm-hmm. And so when I do, and trust me, <laughs> I do, but I learn from it. And so, um, but that's that's why I get up in the morning. You know, if it was just me, I don't you know, I don't I don't know. But I mean, I've got the drive to do a lot of different things. But they're the reason that I did what I did. Because like you said, at your lowest point, are you a good father? I, I ask myself that probably a hundred times. Am I a good husband? Am I a good father? Did I fail my wife? Did I fail my daughter? Um, but we go back to the conversation we were having earlier of every good man has a good woman behind mm-hmm. him. My wife, through thick or thin, has stood by me. And she was even more supportive. When we were on our lowest of lows, she was... She was there. She knew she had to carry the load. She still had a job. So, and I'm assuming Michelle was the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, very much so. If I if I know her the way that I yeah, think I do. Absolutely. Um, so let's get into some different things about your um, business and you specifically. What percentage of your revenue comes from uh, marketing and what comes from referrals? What would you say the split is? I'd probably say 75 to 80% referrals. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think most successful businesses, small businesses like yours, mine, I think that's probably true. Even as high, mine is probably even high, as high as ninety percent um, in some cases. Yeah, but you'd say at least seventy-five, eighty percent of your at business, least. and yeah. then the rest is just. I mean, at some point, you just don't even market anymore because there's. Every, I mean, you always so market, much business coming in, but there's business coming in, but it's always from people that say, "Hey, I know this guy," or you know, I saw your work or you know, came up number one on Google. Yeah, so it might not be a direct. It, it might be a second or third it, tier. It could be a, yeah. Good. Uh, something that you think is true that nobody else thinks is true. About business? Business, personal. Something that you hold as, as a truth and other people might not think so. Um, I say it's, Truth for me is pretty much 
know, I got family work. I mean, that's what it should be. I mean, you can't have family without work, but yet you can't have work without family. And ultimately, on top of everything, if you don't have some sort of, you know, religion to have a faith, and you, you know, maybe I'm going off subject, but I, to me, that's something. You know, you got to believe in something, and you got to believe in yourself. That's it. If you can't believe in yourself, you can't believe in your family. You got nothing to believe in. Good, good answer. What's the most common myth about your profession? Common myth? Oh yeah, I want it tomorrow. <laughs> Can I get that right away? Oh, it's just one T-shirt. Yeah, that kind of thing, you know. Or you know, I, 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 I I've had these done by somebody else. They didn't turn out real good, and and I know, you know, I got a referral from somebody else, but. You know, any chance I can get these right away? It's a common myth. Is I don't think people understand the process. How about I take this logo off my computer? Can you can you work with it? It's not professional. Yeah. Or here's my business card. Yeah. You know, can I can you get the logo off a business card? Yeah. Times. Um, I just don't think people, and and it's the thing. Good thing goes for me. I don't know everybody else's business. Yeah. I don't know what they do. I mean, I'd be a fool if I walked in and I knew what they did. Um, so my job is to educate the people that come in and have them understand what we do. So when they leave, they know not only the product they're getting, but they're educated on a little bit of what we do um, to make them understand the process. And I, I think that makes them understand a little bit better, makes them a better customer. Good. What, uh, I think you touched on this just a bit, but what are some of the resources that helped you start your business besides capital? What are some um, of the things that you went, what were your go-to things to help you start? Like if you're talking to other people who are looking to start their business, what are some of the things that you looked at as far as helping you start your business? Was it family? Was it friends? No. Or was it just something that you... Got to go out and get it. I had, I, when you, I had nothing. I, 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 nobody knew who I was. So mm -hmm. to, to help me start my business, it was basically just going out and making a name for yourself. That was it. You ever have to fire a client? And if you did, why? Um... I've, I've kind of got a little bit of a rule, uh, kind of like the 80-20 rule, like the top 80% of your customers require only 20% of your time. The bottom 20% of your customers require 80% yeah, of your time. That's true. Um, so I wouldn't say really necessarily fire clients, but you've always got that handful of people that just quite don't get what you do. And if you want to stay fresh, it's not a bad idea to recycle your customers explain to them um, why you're making a move and uh, go out and get new work. You know, bringing in new work is always fresh and uh, having the people that seem to be dragging you down a little bit and, you know, taking, I wouldn't say taking your time because time is not, you know, time for a client is a time for a client. That's what they should be. Um, well, you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, you know, the people that just, don't quite get what you do. Yeah. Um, I just, I just, I just like to re recirculate the business. You know, um, you know, there, there are just customers that you don't want to have come back, and there's customers that you need to give or bring back. Your customers that you haven't had for a long time, and you, you, always, you always gotta go out there. Face to face is amazing. Every once in a while, I just like to pop in. Some of my clients be like, they're like, "Wow, I haven't seen you in a while. Yes, yeah, I need to talk to you. Just want to say hi." You know, and, and I think that's good for business, too, besides bringing in new people. It's yeah. always not about the emails. You turn down work? 
Uh, yes, we have. Um, and I think you should. I think the word no should be part of your vocabulary when you own a business. Um, because you don't want to take on every single project. Every project is not for you. Um, some projects are and some projects aren't. Mm. And that's just, that goes for every business. And I don't think there's one person out there that doesn't agree with me that saying no doesn't help grow their business. And why do you say no? I think that's important for business owners to understand that sometimes saying no actually helps your business. Because you got to know your limits. Right. Not only is just a business owner is a human being, you have to know what your limits are. And if it's going to exceed your limits and it's going to push past your productivity, your turnaround time, your quality and your workmanship. That's the thing. And, right that, there, and you quality. know, you're not going to be able to deliver yep. what they're asking. <clears throat> then you need to sit back and you need to look at what's right. Yeah. You, you're known for, and most successful businesses are known for their quality, for their service. If you can't provide that, yeah, your your name recognition is yeah. going to go down. Yeah, because some your things are going to go down. Not everybody that comes in has something that you really absolutely have to do. And if you're at eighty percent referrals, and you start doing quality that's subpar to what they're used to, mm -hmm. those referrals go away. Yeah. So it's all connected. Oh, absolutely right. right. So um, I used to work with a. Uh, a guy that had a, a, a phrase that has stuck with me. He says, I've never lost money on a job I didn't take. True. So, you know, that's kind of stuck with me in situations where I could go and, and do that big job or I could take on that client, but I know that it would either put me in a financial position that would be adverse to the plan that I have or I'd have to go out on a limb. And I'm not talking about just going out slightly on a limb, like way out on a limb that if it broke, I'd be ruined and... Those opportunities are tempting, right? Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've had some come along and you're like, wow, I could really do that and take on all that additional work. Um, we, you know, you were having a conversation with, with a group of people the other day saying, you know, I can only take on so much at, at the holiday because I know I've got X amount of hours to get X amount of stuff done and I can't take, you know, I can't take on anymore. And, and you tell your clients, correct me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. here's your cutoff. If you right. want it by this day, you've got you've to get it in by this time, because there's only so much to go around. Well, that's for any good company does that. I think that's a good procedure. I mean, my wife and I were looking to get some videos converted into uh, DVDs. And we weren't in a big hurry, but we just happened to be sending it to the company in November. And one of the things was, if we don't have everything by October 31st, you will not make Christmas. Mm -hmm. And it was very clear in their email that you're not getting it until sometime in January, maybe February. And I'm okay with that. You know, they have a business to run, you know, and it, and, and I'm, I'm actually better that they said that because they were true. You know, be honest. Once you lose your honesty with clients, I think you, you lose your business. You know, something that goes hand in hand with that, and it's kind of off topic, and, and it wasn't going to be my next question, but you brought it up. Let's talk about profit for a second. I think it's a dirty word in our industry that we don't talk about it enough. I think the perception is everybody wants it for the cheapest price. And I know when I go out and sell our, our services, I tell people, I'm not going to be the cheapest. I'm not going to be the most expensive. I'm going to be right in the middle. Sometimes I am the most expensive. It happens, right? Rarely am I the cheapest. But I like to be right in that middle. And I tell people, I need to make a profit to be in business. Well, this guy's, you know, giving it to me for this price. I, I, can't, I can't match that. I can't be in business and provide the level of quality and pay my guys what I need to 
to deliver the service that you're then got referred by X, you know, X client to come give you that service at any price less than what I'm quoting you. I think it's a dirty word in that industry. What do you think? I agree because every mistake I've ever made in my life as far as purchasing something, even on a personal level, I've always tried to go to cheaper route and it never paid off. I'll never forget. My wife was like, let's get the king size bed. I'm like, we don't need a king size bed. I'm not paying an extra 1500 bucks. She's like, yeah, but we need the room. And I'm like, no, we don't. We just get the queen. Well, like a year later, I'm like, damn it. We should have got the king. What's wrong with me? You know, I mean, Especially you just. Especially you animals. Yeah. And you get a couple dogs on the bed too. I mean, it's just so. Think about what you really want. And. Think about what you're going to expect. Now, there's people out there that do cheap work. And I'm, don't get me wrong. More I don't than do good be, work. More than good work. That's the thing. You get what you pay for. I'm not the cheapest. I'm the most expensive. I'm fair and I do good work. If you like fair and, you, and good work and good turnaround, then that's, there's, we got the corner marketed. But, or the market cornered, I should say. But um, you live by those rules, you're good. Somebody comes in and they're like, yeah, can you meet that price? And I know I have to cut a corner to get to there. Remember I said no is a good? Mm -hmm. That's when you say no. You know, it's times for that. It's kind of the opposite of, think about the government. They raise a tax. That's never going to go back, right? They take it. It's never going back. You go back on a a business level. You go back on your price. Let's say your price is $100. And you go to 75 or you go to 80 or you go to 85. The customer is going to expect that going forward. So you just cheapened your your product or your service. Um, And that's one of the reasons I try not to do it. Do we run specials? Yeah, from time to time, but they're limited, just like every company does that. But I refuse to reduce my price because then I can't be in business. And so profit has to be one of those words that we as a business community have to start talking about more with our clients because think about how many people don't stay in business. What we said, you know, nine out of 10 people don't stay in business. Why? Because they don't make enough money to stay in business and deliver the products and services that the general public is used to. I mean, think of how many retailers are going out of business? Yeah, it's become a, because of Amazon and a few other things, but they're probably not either charging enough money or they got themselves into a situation, as we were just discussing, of, well, we can do all this other stuff too. And maybe they didn't focus on what they really did well and charge a fair price for it. Instead, they got into, you know, Toys R Us used to be a small store, then they got huge. And they went out of business. Now they're starting over again and, Think of all the big box retailers that are, are gone. Think of all the small businesses that you used to know as a kid growing up that are no longer there. Which ones yeah. survived, right? The ones that were fairly priced, you knew they had to make a profit, and you solicited their business. So, I mean, convenience stores. You know convenience stores are charging an arm and a leg, but you go in there because it's convenient. So that model is built all over the country. Mm-hmm. Um, in what you do and what I do, if we don't charge a fair price, we're not going to be in business. Right. So I think profit's a dirty word. Um, so we talked about um, maybe a time uh, when you failed. Um, so I don't need to go through that. But uh, who are three people in your life that influenced your business decisions? You don't have to name them. But, you know, if it was an uncle, if it was a grandfather, if it was a father, it was a friend. Are there three people that influenced where you are now definitely my wife number one um it's a good answer she influenced me a ton um my accountant thank god he's an amazing person but a great friend of mine um 
And he's not local, right? He's no, in my accountant lives in Florida. Yeah, we travel down and get our taxes done every year uh, to see him, um, not only as a friend, but as business partner, you know, business client. And uh, it's worth it because you can't put a price tag on not only what he does, because he's same thing. He's fair and he's good at what he does. Um, but we're friends, and he's guided me through so many decisions. Um, I, 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 I got to say, if it wasn't for my wife and him, I'm not really sure if I'd be where I am now. Um, and the third person I would say, honestly, is probably me. Um, I don't have a third person. I mean, it's really my wife and I um, my, and, my, and my accountant. I mean, the three of us, when we started the business, he told me what we needed to do. I followed his recommendations. Um, my wife has told me to do things. Didn't always agree with her. Finds out she's right, <laughs> like usual. And uh, it, that's, that's pretty much what's guided me. I, I, I've had friends, but not in the perspective of, like, business, who infl- you know, influencing my business. It's, it's everything that we've done has always been really tight-knit. You're a team. Yeah. It's, 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 like, it's kind of like a three-person team. Um, if you could choose another profession, what would it be? Ooh, I wish I was a professional golfer. But that's going way off a track. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, let's, let's but you're a good golfer. That's yeah, I'm, I'm not bad. Um, but uh, if I could choose another honest profession, not really sure if there's anything else out there right now. I enjoy what I do. There's a lot of people that I see, and I'm a people person. Um, I could, you could, you can't ever stick me in a cubicle. If you ever shoved me in an office in a cubicle. I swear to God, within an hour, I would have the walls completely torn down. Yeah, I'd quit. And I'd just, I'd be fired in two minutes. Back. I could never and do I, it. We, and we've both done it. And no, I, I could never not going to happen. could never no. go back. Nope. It's funny, I've, I, I've had guys that worked for me, and, and they've gone off and done a couple of other things. And, oh, I'm going to go work in a factory. I'm going to go work in that. And every one of us regretted their decision. We give our guys autonomy. They go out. They're doing something different every day. They love it. As a business owner, that's what I love most. There's something different every single day on this job. You might be doing the same job, only at different locations, but there's always a new challenge, a new way to learn something, a new experience, a new customer that I'm... And you never know who you're going to meet. Mm-hmm. And you never know who knows somebody that knows you or knows them. So you, you have to treat everybody fairly, right? I've got some of the biggest clients... Just from being at the weirdest places, you would never even imagine mm. that you're going to meet someone. You know, I, I was at Parkside having lunch with a client. And some guy overheard us talking. And uh, next thing you know, I gave him a business card. And I'm like, yeah, this guy's not going to call me. And like three weeks later, the guy called me. Winds up being one of the best clients that I've got right now. You know, and it just happened to one of those things you just never know who you're gonna run into mm. you know you just don't know and the more exposure you get as a business owner the more you really have to be on all the time mm-hmm. when i say on I'll, I'll use the air quotes on all the time because you never know are you gonna run into one of your clients or are you gonna run into somebody who knows one of your clients i was at a party over christmas no less than three people came up to me and said oh you're richard anderson I had no idea what they meant, but they had heard from a friend of a friend who knew somebody might might have saw me, you know, saw my stuff on social media, whatever. Um, so you never know who's watching, right? You never know who's watching. 
Um, you never know the opportunities. And you never know when the next opportunity is coming. If you had to put a quote on a billboard, what would it be? Always bet on yourself. There you go. It's good. Yeah. Like Simple. That. What's your favorite meal? Ah, a sucker for it. We're getting into food. the lighter questions now. Italian. Italian food? Anything specifically? My, I, I, my pizza's my downfall. I could have pizza just about every day. I, I love pizza. Um, my wife makes and the meanest. Lasa- my wife makes the meanest lasagna. Mm. I literally think I could eat lasagna every day forever. Good lasagna is really good. Bad oh, lasagna I'm talking is really like bad. yeah. I mean, she makes it like old school good like, stuff. Yeah, from scratch. It's not the vegetarian crap. No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking meat and cheese. Yeah. If you were given one superpower, what would it be? Uh, probably just to, I wouldn't say keep an eye on my kids, um, but just to envision everything that I could see about my family because life is so short. Um, I don't want the power to be about myself. I want the power Mm. to be more about the people I love. I think that speaks a lot to who you are as a person, just from a personal standpoint. Um, I think you put everything, everybody else first above yourself, uh, which is a great quality to have, Scott, by the way. You shouldn't be, uh, shouldn't be ashamed of it. Um, what are you not good at? We've already established you're good at golf. So yeah, what are you not good at? Not good at not good a lot of things in life. I mean, you, you try to be good at things, but, I mean, without getting into any weird details, I mean, I'm not really great at baseball. I mean, but, I mean, it's sports stuff, but, like. <sighs> Is there one thing business-wise that you're not good at that you wish you were better at? Maybe business-wise, I'm not really good at. Uh, it's tough because you want to say you're so good at a lot of things, but. I guess I'm, I, 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 I'm not, you know what, honestly, I guess I'm really not good at taking that next step. Okay, I, I, I was going to say, if, I, I'm not good if at you struggled that with step. it, I was going to say the same I, I, thing, my, knowing you. If it wasn't for my wife and my accountant mm-hmm. making me make moves that needed to be done, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll sell you yesterday's newspaper, or I'll sell ice to an ice I have no problem with that. Um, and, but... As far as the business part of it goes, if it wasn't for my wife and my accountant really knowing where to move and what to do and taking that next step, I'd probably be still stuck in the thousand square foot. Single machine. Yeah. And I'm just, you know what I mean? So you got to have good people behind you. I'm just not really good at moving forward. And you know why? I'm scared. We have this you know conversation why I'm scared? every time I'm at your shop. I'm scared because I saw my dad fail at three businesses because all three businesses, he got too big too quick. Yeah. And I promised myself till the day I died, I would never get that big to the point where I got too big and couldn't provide people with the quality and the service that they deserved. Mm. And because of that, I hold back. I, I don't, I don't want 400 employees. I'd rather keep a small and tight shop like I have, and that's that's my one downfall. I think we all make decisions based on our parents' mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just now, uh, I've had my own business six going on seven years. Um, I've been in the service industry almost 30 years. Longer than that, I had my first service job at 15. 
I got a worker's permit. That's how old I am. <laughs> had to get a worker's permit at 15. But um, I, I, when I started this business, I wanted to make my parents proud. And I didn't want to do the things that they did, make the same mistakes that they did, mm-hmm. right? Um, and now I think um, I have to get away from that, and I have to do what's best for me and my family and my employees and my business um, versus trying to always please somebody else. I have to start doing for me. The, the rut that I get into personally is I always want to do for everybody else, and I don't do enough for myself. And, you know, so that's probably one thing I'm not very good at is, is doing for myself. I'm not talking about a personal level. I'll, I'll be the first person to go out and buy this or buy that if I want it. I, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in business, taking care of myself. Uh, I, I always try to take care of everybody else. Um, but that's what I was going to say to you is I, we have this conversation every time I'm at your, at, at your office in your shop is, hey, have you thought about buying more machines? Have you thought about you know, hiring more people? Have you th- you know, we have those conversations. Yeah. So I would say you're spot on. That's probably... Um, that's probably a great answer. Uh, or it is a great answer. Uh, if you could give advice to your 16-year-old self, knowing what you know now, what would it be? If I give advice to my 16-year-old self, um, knowing what I know now, not future stuff of what I'm knowing now, but knowing business-wise what I know now, um, I don't know if I'd change anything. I'm pretty happy with the way I grew up. I'm pretty happy with decisions I made. I'm pretty happy with watching other people's mistakes. I've made my own. It's made me who I am. Um, I don't think I would change anything. I've had a drive since I've been 14 years old throwing newspapers. I've, I, I, I don't really know if I would change anything personally about that aspect of it. Um, I guess the biggest thing is that I, I didn't know what age 16 is, is it, at that point, I mean, you know, you, you never know what's going to come the next day. So enjoy every day, you know, and that's one thing I guess I, I you, know, you, you, you overlook, you forget that tomorrow is not promised to anybody. Um, do the best you can. That's it. Do sure. the best you can every day. What's the best compliment you've ever given somebody? Best compliment I've ever given to somebody not received but given to someone uh, best compliment i've given somebody somebody is on their performance and i do this all the time um my wife and i go out for dinner you know occasionally and you know don't expect anything ex- other than what you expect you know good service but when someone goes over and beyond um what good service should be and you know they're making that extra effort and i see that and it reminds me of what I've done and where I've gotten. The first thing I do is I always ask them, I'm like, can I get the manager? And they just get this really weird look on their face like, oh, my God, what did I do? And then the manager comes over, yeah. and I'm just like, I guess got to let you know that not only did we have the best service, but the person who served us is fantastic. And because of them, yeah, we're going to come back again. It, you don't know. you think that's better than a, a large tip? I mean, a large tip is good, too. Well, you can but don't you think tip. somebody would rather have the – the accolade than a few extra dollars. Yeah, because every time I get the same feedback, the guy's like, you know how many people don't comment like that? All Most people are, first thing they're apt to do is complain. What's the thing they say? If you don't like something, you'll tell 30 people. If you like something, you'll tell three. Yeah. Think of how sad that is. 
It's, it is. You know, we're a society of complainers. Yeah. Um, and so when people don't complain and they actually give you a compliment, I mean, I, I love compliments. Yeah. You know, my guys are out doing the work, and first question I ask them every single time is, is the customer happy? Is the customer happy? I don't care about anything else. If the customer's not happy, that the direction of the conversation goes a little different. It's rare that a customer's not happy. It, it happens. And so I find out why is customer not happy. But first question is, is customer happy? And then I get phone calls. Hey, your guy did a great job. Hey, this person did a great job. Hey, this, this is a great service. And I share it immediately. I'll text them or call them and say, you guys did a great job on that, on that job. You know, kudos to you guys. So um, if, you had, um, if you had to have dinner with any three people throughout history, doesn't matter who they are, what profession they're in, what they did for a living throughout history, who are the three people that you would have dinner with hmm. if you could? If they were sitting here, it didn't matter if they're dead or alive. doesn't matter. Tough question. I think George Washington, I would like to pick his brain, and I'd love to have dinner with him because he was the first. What mistakes did he make being the first guy, the first person in office, the first person to be recognized as the president of the United States? I'm sure that wasn't easy for him. Um, what did he go through his life? You know, I'm sure he had some ups and downs. Um, uh, you know, um, Thomas Jefferson. I mean, how many times did he fail? You know, um, one of the greatest minds of our whole world, but not just a great person, but um, a great motivator. You know, and then I think the one of the people that I probably would love to sit down with more than anybody is probably Michael Jordan. I knew you were going to say that. Uh, Michael Jordan. Um, <laughs> Is a God Michael Jordan talent. now or Michael Jordan in his prime? Michael Jordan now. Mm. Michael Jordan now has probably more to say about who he is now than who he was before. Um, but, I mean, you've seen, I've seen his stats on things he didn't accomplish, mm. how many baskets he missed, how many buzzer beaters he didn't make, how many game winners he didn't make, how many times... He lost the game, you know, how many times, you know, he's just failed at, you know, something. And then you look at all the things he's accomplished. All those failures made him the greatest basketball player in the whole entire world. But people won't see that. There's they some debate about, about that. that, right? Yeah. Not to get off topic and not to get into into the sports minutiae. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, but, I mean, it's just what, I mean. Well, I was going to say that some people say he's not the greatest of all kind of all time. I, I, I obviously, growing up in Chicago, being a Bulls fan, um, in the height of, I mean, I was 20, what was that, 93, right? Around that time, 90, 90 to 90, it was the six championships, late 80s to early 90s. Mm -hmm. Early, so yeah, I was six, the six championships were out of all, high school, 90, into college, 92. out of that. I yeah. mean, I was young, so I'm a little biased, but, you know, even the other players like LeBron and Kobe, um, Durant, a few others, Curry. I just don't think he set the bar, right? And you can look at it from a business perspective. He he was what everyone wanted to be and everyone emulated. I don't think once you are that person that anybody surpasses you, even if they rack up more stats. I think if you're the if you're the bar, right, you're the person that everyone wanted to chase, I don't think they surpass you regardless of what they do because you brought, he brought basketball to a different level. Um, 
So from a success entrepreneur standpoint, mm -hmm. he thought of things that no one else did, right? I mean, Nike's not the same company after. Before Michael Jordan, they were just a company. They were just a shoe company. After him, global, mm -hmm. right? So when you look at it from that business perspective, he changed the landscape of business in the NBA. Changed the landscape of business in a lot of businesses, mm -hmm. a lot of marketing, right? Uh, Spike Lee. I mean, you remember the commercials back for you know, Michael Jordan and he got into movies and he's just done things that people um, can't even fathom. And, and, and today I know people are like, oh, I only grew up knowing LeBron and Kobe, so that's what I'm going to say. But Michael Jordan in his prime, he was just unstoppable. Mm -hmm. And he had that killer instinct of I'm going to crush my competition. He could get done with the game, go have a beer with the guy, I'm yeah. sure. But he, during he, that game, he wanted to crush his competition. I think when people told him he couldn't do something, mm -hmm. it made him more motivated to do it mm -hmm. and that was do you find that in your life at all yeah absolutely yeah oh, that's kind of what motivates me yeah is i was don't told tell me i can't on. do anything yeah as soon as you tell me i can't do it then i got something to prove and if i can't i can't mm -hmm. i'll be the first one to say okay i can't but if there's even a little bit of shed of doubt in my mind i'll try but isn't it isn't it doesn't it go to regret like you're going to regret what you didn't do versus what you did do right i don't want to look back and say oh, i could have done that and I didn't. Right. I don't know. I try not to do regrets. I've made a lot of mistakes in my life, but after what I went through, it's it's hard for me to go back and look at anything anymore now as a regret. I, what I mean by that is if I don't take a chance, if I don't take an opportunity, if I see something that comes along and I don't do it, am I going to regret that more than if I just didn't take the – you know what I'm saying? Like if I missed an opportunity – Am I going to think 10 years from now, oh, I really should have done that? Is that going to be what what I regret most of my life? You know, there's there's people out there, there's, um, I think Gary Vaynerchuk says, if you ever want to motivate yourself in business, go to a, a senior citizen's facility, and they'll talk about regret. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. I didn't start the business. I didn't love my wife enough. I didn't. Know, all the things that you were talking about, your low point, was I a good father? Was I a good husband? Well, it turns out you were an excellent father. You were an excellent husband. You did the things that you needed to do to get your family on the right track. I, I, I don't see those as regret because you then took that next step. You took that opportunity, you know, and I don't think a lot of people do. And again, back to why do people not start their own business? It's fear of failure. It's fear of not taking that step. And then they regret it, mm -hmm. right? So... Um, but it's also taking the right opportunity. You can't just, you know, and that's when you say, well, the things that I didn't do were maybe some of the best decisions in my life versus the things that I did do. All right, so um, we're going to end on something fun. Okay. It's called Small Talk. One-word answers. Um, try not to do two-word answers because that's cheating. <laughs> uh, favorite book or author? Kill a Mockingbird. Favorite travel destination? Berlin. Okay. Favorite food. Lasagna. Which is different than favorite meal. Uh, oh, my favorite. If you really want to go not favorite food, but favorite meal. Filet. Okay. Favorite movie. Um, the Babe. Favorite sports team. Yankees. Favorite holiday. Christmas. Favorite month of the year? July. 
Facebook or Instagram? Facebook. Uh, favorite meal of the day, breakfast, lunch, or dinner? Dinner. Fine dining or fast food? Does it matter how much more time you have? Because <laughs> I don't do the whole fine dining a lot, but and I don't really do a lot of fast food. If you food, had equal if opportunity. I had, if I had equal opportunity, I'd take the fine dining. Early riser? or I, I know the answer to this question already. Early riser or night owl? I'm up before I think anybody even even yeah. fathoms the being up. Yeah, you're in bed three. at eight. I, I'm in bed yeah. at eight and up at three. Yeah, that was an easy one. Dress or casual? Casual. Would you start another business? Yes. Favorite hobby? Golf. Favorite. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna keep it clean. Favorite word. Hello. It's interesting. Um, just to to break away from that for a second. Um, when you network with somebody. What's the first thing that people always say? Hi, I am whomever, and this is what I do for a living. And instead, I think the first thing that we should be asking is, hi, I'm so-and-so. How can I help you grow your business? Right? Mm-hmm. So that's just that triggered that thought. Uh, trust given or trust earned? Trust earned, definitely. <laughs> this is probably more, I could probably ask your wife this question. Ask for permission or forgiveness? Yeah. Should be permission, but yeah, at some point in my life, I've had to forgive this part of it, so I'll split that. Do you believe in ghosts? Yes. Which is different than spirits. Greatest strength? Family. Biggest fear? Failure. Biggest flaw? I think we touched on this a little bit, yeah. of the not going to the next level. I don't know how you put that in one word, but... Um, Caution, maybe? Yeah. I answered a question for you, sorry. Uh, would you go back to high school? Never. Do you believe in being nice or being fair? Fair. Always. Always. All right, so uh, where can people find you on social media online? Uh, Just for you, Custom Apparel has a Facebook page. Um, you could find us on Facebook at Just For You Custom Apparel, Inc., um, and, uh, you can also find us, um, on Google. Uh, we don't have Instagram. I don't do, I don't tweet. We change that. Yeah. I don't tweet. I don't do any of that stuff. We um, get you on TikTok too. Going to sound <laughs> stupid. Don't even know what that is. As bad we'll as that sounds. We'll introduce you to all those social media. I have no clue. I think in your business that what might actually be good for you. Cause then you show it. Oh. It's basically, um, young person's version of, um, short YouTube yeah. videos. They're very, LinkedIn. very short clips. Yeah, LinkedIn, LinkedIn, I mean LinkedIn. But we should get you on that because then you could market your apparel yeah. and, and people could see what yeah. what you do. Funny but the stories. biggest thing is is definitely Facebook, I think, yes, for, our, for our business. And Google. I mean, the Google reviews are the best. I mean, anybody wants to put a Google review, um, that's what spikes you up to the level you need to be. So when pe- people look, I mean, we're first on Google right now for a reason. Yeah. So, Scott? Scott Carter, just for you, custom apparel. I appreciate you being my first guest on the journey, small business success stories. Yes, located in Huntley. Pleasure, sir. Yes, well, anywhere in the country, you can contract him to do your work. That's where his business is out of, but you can get him. You can get him anywhere. Uh, again, thank you. Appreciate your time. I appreciate your time. Thank you very much, Richard. Thank Thanks, you. Scott.